got a blueprint for a quarterback where that's going we've got a brand new blueprint on our jerseys and now we get the panthers blueprint that's going to be dropping in june what's up y'all carolina dad host of the tuesday to one team podcast welcome to another episode this week's episode is all about defense what are we going to look like on defense but before we get into that we have so much news to cover things happening over the past week we'll keep you informed and get this thing rolling now jumping right in the panthers social media released a video this past week of a teaser called the panthers blueprint and it's going to be a three-part series released in june that details the process from when frank wright was hired up into us making the decision to draft bryce young number one overall this will walk us through the behind the scenes it's going to be cool i mean it's not hard knocks it's not hbo hard knocks but it is something that gives you that insight into what we're thinking about as an organization the thing that gets me with this that's funny and it's only funny because it's it's peeling the layers of the onion back if you remember when matt rule was here who doesn't remember when he was here he made a statement when things were not going too well here in the Carolinas, that this was a process and it didn't, it took Jay-Z seven years to, you know, build out his success. What's funny about us naming this project, this whatever we want to call it, the blueprint is the fact that Jay-Z has a album compilation specifically called the blueprint. Yes, we're updating the blueprint for this whole organization and who we're going to be. There's so many takes and layers to it, but to me, it's funny. I think it's, it's a very slight jab at Matt Rule uh, by Panther social media. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but that's what I'm saying. I'm taking it as it is. All right, y'all. So much to get into. As I stated, the other big news, if as we talk about Panthers news, and like I said, we're going to talk all about our defense today because over this past week, we heard from our defensive staff. Just as I predicted, we got to hear from the defensive coaches after the OTA meetings. And so I want to dissect what we heard. But of course, there's always news that comes in in between. The biggest news over the past weeks for the Panthers is related to training camp. And we got confirmation that the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers are coming down to Spartanburg, South Carolina in the blistering heat to practice. So there will be joint practices between the Jets and the Panthers in Spartanburg during training camp. That is going to be something to see, folks. And it's free. It's free. You don't have to pay. You just get to walk right up out there in uh, at Wofford at Wofford College. Great parking, great facilities, great people. Go right in. You don't get to record or take videos or anything. They'll definitely shut you down if you try to do that, folks. But it will be a sight to see. What I hope to see this year is from a practice perspective, Matt Rule last year had them 
practicing on the far field when they went through live scrimmages. And for those who don't know the breakdown of the facilities, there's about three different football fields. And so there's one closest to you on the hill that you can actually see things really well. There's a football field on the far side that's very hard to see. And then there's a field on the kind of the back corner where they typically warm up. I'm hoping they bring it, bring it in where you can see it. That thing's going to be packed and hopefully there's going to be autographs out there for the kids. You know, I don't know who's going to come out and sign, but on a, a list of events, that is what was the biggest news this past week. And we are going to start talking about training camp soon. Again, going down to training camp, I can't record or anything there, but walking you through everything that I learned from the experience and just taking it in as a fan. That's your Panthers news. We also have news related to NFL rule changes, three items that I've already discussed earlier in the year. Number one, though, is kickoffs. There's been a change to kickoffs. This could be the elimination of the kickoff. I've seen a few folks floating that around that this is it. Kickoffs are done. Yes, they're still going to be an actual thing. But if we think about a kickoff in return, I should say, it's pretty much going to be out of the books. So kickoffs are now eligible to be. uh, So if you go for a fair catch, I should say you get the ball at the 25 yard line. So instead of the 20 yard line, you get the ball at the 25 yard line mimics the college game. I see a lot of folks taking advantage of this. Every yard in the NFL matters. So giving teams an extra five yards by taking that fair catch or by taking the kneel down inside of the 20, the 15, 10, whatever it is, that's going to be a big uh, advantage for NFL offenses. We could see the elimination of the kickoff return. Hopefully not, but it's definitely moving in that direction, especially when we think about what the XFL has done for what would be an onside kick. We could see the onside kicks eventually getting eliminated. And at that point, kickers are going to be here for kicking field goals and punts. That's about it. The other news we heard is emergency quarterbacks. And I talked about this as a rule that was being proposed earlier this year. Has to, it really goes back to the San Francisco 49ers when they lost most of their starting quarterbacks and did really had no one to play. So it gives teams the ability to have a third emergency quarterback on the roster. From our perspective, that makes perfect sense because now we've gonna, we're going to have Bryce Young and Andy Dalton, and then likely keeping Matt Corral, because again, Jacob Eason is is gone. So we'll have three quarterbacks to be able to carry throughout the year and puts us in a good position, especially if one of those players goes down having that availability on the roster 100 you know definitely important we will talk as we talk about quarterbacks i i we also heard from the quarterbacks this past week and i'm going to give you my analysis on some things that we heard really good things from all three quarterbacks we got to hear from bryce andy we heard from frank wright talking about the quarterbacks and then of course from matt corral himself the other update in terms of news for the nfl is the ability to flex thursday night football games this is going to be Basically a trial heading into this year. What we've heard is the league can flex up to two games between weeks 13 and week 17. So this would be moving it from a Sunday afternoon to a Thursday night game. Who knows what this is really going to look like as we head into this. We will definitely find out more if for if we go into this and no games are flexed at all this year. And for whatever reason, there's really good matchups on Thursday night football and they want to keep things the way they are. This trial would roll over into the 20. 
2024 season. So something to watch from a player's perspective and really from this is what gets you is from a fan's perspective. This is those are probably the ones that are hurt the most. Players would be able to adapt or I feel like they will be able to adapt to this. It's not the most ideal situation to you know have your game flexed up. Think about the fans. So a lot of times people are buying tickets to these games well in advance, especially people that live out of town. You know, if I'm sitting here in Wilmington, three and a half hours away, thinking about, hey, do we want to go to a game on Christmas Eve in Bank of America Stadium? And what we are hearing now, I'm not saying this is going to be the case, but think about it if you're a fan buying a ticket, coming out of state, flying, making hotel reservations, booking a plane, and then leading up to this, you find out that your game is going to be flexed. Now, I will say they are saying that there's going to be a 30-day window, so at least 30 days in advance of the flexing that this decision has to be made. So there is some room there for you to, you know, or a fan to adjust their plans. But at the same time, we're just seeing this is a money grab and people People want the primetime games to be primetime games between people that want it. We know, again, Amazon spent tons of money on Thursday night football. So they want games that fans are going to actually tune into and not be shutting off. That is your news, folks. Those were the biggest stories. Now we're going to move right into talking about defense. As I stated on last week's episode, this week we're talking all about defense. We know that we are moving from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 defense. The thing about a defense or when you talk about defensive identity, it's much easier for us to imagine or visualize the identity of the defense when we know the package we're moving to. So unlike an offense where there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of plays, a defensive scheme is set. Of course, there's going to be nuances to the defense with blitzes and coverages, but overall, we can get a good feel for how this thing is going to look. And let us jump right in and talk about a 3-4 defense. And we're kind of level setting here because we've talked or I've talked about moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4, but what does this actually mean for the scheme that we are in? The biggest adjustment is going to be player personnel trying to plug in the players that we have on this roster to fit those needs. And trying to do this in year one is, or what we saw trying to do this in the first year is that we are probably going to have some gaps. So we had a very solid defense last year, bunch of pieces coming back. Everyone feels good about the the roster itself. A 3-4 is very different from a 4-3 because when we look at the defensive line, again, you're going from four defensive linemen to three. What changes is the responsibilities of those three defensive linemen. So if you do the math, you know, on a four four down linemen setup on defense, you pretty much have a one-to-one ratio on most positions and matching up with with blocking schemes, with getting in gaps and filling the needs. When you move to a 3-4, now you're talking about having to cover multiple gaps, potentially. Now we're going to talk about exactly what our scheme is when I dive into this in a little bit deeper here in a second, but that is what you're looking at. The other thing is now our outside linebackers, basically we're going to have a nose tackle to defensive ends, but those defensive ends are run first. Our whole defensive line is run first. Their job is to stop the run, plug in the gaps. So they're not going to be going after the quarterback. The one that's going to be getting after the quarterback or the ones getting after the quarterback are going to be our outside linebackers. So Brian Burns and then XYZ Elemental P, whoever is playing opposite side of Brian Burns on the the weak side or the the other side of him. Those are you guys that are going to be going after rushing the quarterback. They also are going to have to be setting the edge and containment. And also when you think about the schematics of this from a gap perspective, you're talking about 
one player per a gap. There are variations of the 3-4 defense, or there's two variations, I should say, where you've got your defensive linemen that want to fill in multiple gaps. So you you bring in big body guys that could potentially cover two gaps at once. Now that's very difficult to do when you're talking about NFL defensive line. And I mean, you're going to have to what get a 330, 340 pound guy to cover in that space. So from what we have heard is we are going to have a one gap ratio on the defensive side of the ball. So we are not looking to have guys, at least right now, cover multiple gaps. What that means is we're going to have one gap assigned to a D end, one to the nose tackle, one to the D end, one gap for each of our inside linebackers, and then one for each of the outside linebackers. Everyone has a gap and a responsibility. What that means, though, is everybody's got to be there. Everybody's got to has to be able to make their play and be in position to you know do what you're supposed to do. We saw the Detroit Lions, who we played last year. They had a three four defense. We ran had our best rushing attack ever in Panthers history. We saw the gaps in the weaknesses that can come if you're not able to stop the run or secure the gap that you're supposed to be in. So that'll be something to watch. The other thing with this, as we think about that, you know, we're going to need another athletic, Brian Burns 100% can cover this, but we're going to need another guy on the outside, opposite side of him that is able to make plays because you're going to have to have drop those guys into coverage sometimes. You're going to have to have them covering guys coming out of the backfield, the flats, whatever it is, not in you know true ratios, but that is going to be something that we will watch. The other thing to think about, and we'll get into our positions, is talking through Jeremy Chin. Where does he fit inside of this scheme? Frankie Luvu, what is that going to look like as he's looking at this linebacker position? Much more to digest, but that is the biggest takeaway. And you can read up more on the 3-4 defense. It is a great defense for the NFL. I think over half of the league now plays in a 3-4. What we've seen is it's it's very effective at being able to stop the, the passing game. As people pass the ball more, you've got more guys that can drop into coverage, which is great. Great to have on, the, on that side of the ball. You also can scheme things a little bit differently because the quarterback may not know who is coming blitzing, who's staying in coverage, what techniques are happening across the board. So it is a hard harder or technically should be a harder defense to stop. That's what we got coming down the line. And I think this is going to be great as the guys get in. I would not be surprised if coming into this, there's some learning. We've got some learning to do on that side of the ball until guys get comfortable. Because from a technique perspective, what we are doing now with some of these guys that are moving to outside the linebacker and or guys on the defensive end. Now we'll say if we talk about defensive end, as, as I say that, the reason we brought in the guys that we brought in is because all those lines men have experience in a 3-4 defense. So nose tackle, defensive end, they know not to, that they're not rushing into the quarterback, that they're there to stop the run, which is what you have to be able to do. It's a lot to digest. And from a technique perspective, from for our guys, they are going to have to figure out that new technique, maintaining their gaps, their control, all of that. It'll be something we'll learn. And as we go through camp, we're going to hear from the coaches talking through about how guys are adapting, how they're playing. What we'll do is go ahead and jump in and start talking through what we've heard from our coaches. This past week, we heard from several defensive coaches as well as Ijero Ivero getting some inside knowledge, although it's very small at this point, on the state of our new 3-4 defense. And what we've really learned from hearing all the coaches speak is that this is a learning experience, one for the coaches, just getting familiar with the players that we have and how they're going to fit into the scheme, and then also for the players learning. Now, the 
other consistency that came from this, when you think about a, a rookie class coming into to the NFL, typically the rookies are going to have a larger learning curve as the veterans that are already here understand it. But in our situation on both sides of the ball, but speaking of defense, we're learning a brand new scheme and technique for a lot of the players that are on our roster. You can't go out again overnight and completely revamp and rebuild from a 4-3 to a 3-4. It's going to take steps and processes. And that's why we brought in certain players to fit into this scheme. Let's talk about what we heard from EJ, which is Ejero Ivero, as they call him. First thing that came up was DJ Johnson. What was his perspective on selecting DJ Johnson? What did he think about him? He said that they're really looking for a guy who's a smart player that he impressed. They're getting to spend a lot of time with him, that he has the size and the speed to develop. But just like everyone out there, he's trying to adapt and learn as he goes. Jamie Robinson came up for quite a few coaches. He's almost seems like a Jeremy Chin 2.0, a versatile player. He's going to be able to play linebacker, nickel, safety, has lots of intelligence. And so as we think about how this is going to mold into our defense, when we think about pieces that are going to plug into where, he's going to be a player to watch. And I see him getting a lot of playing time coming up in this season. Jeremy Chin was also referenced as a superhero in one of the conferences uh, from one of the coaches. And so what is the plan? And the plan right now is he is a weapon. They're not really going to think or or give us too much information about him. They think very highly of him. He's been able to make plays in the passing game. He's going to be able to make plays, you know, at the linebacker position. And we as an organization, or as they are saying, are just elated about what he can bring to the table. We heard about Dom Capers, what he means to the team. I think a lot of it has to do with just his consistency, the knowledge that he brings from the 3-4 defense. When you have 30 plus years of experience, you're able to bring that knowledge to the team, help them talk about looks and schemes and how they can prepare. What we learned, and I teased this out in last week's episode, was also the fact that we have no idea who is going to be the starter outside of Brian Burns. The one good thing from the Brian Burns injury, not that his injury itself is good, but we are seeing reps for a lot of guys that may not have gotten reps. So knowing that Burns is out right now, guys underneath him are having to compete. And we're going to see as we get into training camp, who that next guy is going to be. And we're also going to have to have depth. So the nice thing about having Burns out is Burns is going to have to come off the field at some point. They talk about having a strong defense in the fourth quarter with guys that are energized, able to come out and make some plays. We know that in Avera's defense, he loves to have guys that can pressure and get to the quarterback. And that's what Burns is going to be here to do. He's going to be here to get to the quarterback. Same thing with with Frankie Luvu. The only other call out from the press conference for Ivero that's interesting was Bumper Pool in Again, he was undrafted guy. I don't know if it's the, you know, guys asking the question that are in there that that have this fascination or just what it is, but bumper pool keeps being brought up a lot. And I think it has to do with the production that he had in college. He's a guy that we're going to want to watch in the preseason to make the roster, whether it's a special teams position. Even if he doesn't make the roster, I would say definitely going into uh, making our practice squad. Sounds like a guy who's going to fight. And he's a guy that made a lot of tackles, which means he knows how to get to the ball. He's not afraid to hit something that we need. So we'll see how he produces as we go into the season. If you're following along at home in order, you would know that the next press conference was actually special teams. And then we moved into Frank Wright and all three quarterbacks. I'm going to save that to the end because we're talking about defense. So next on our list was Peter Hansen, linebackers coach. Good to hear from him. He did not make any comments on the status of Jeremy Chin 
And that's what we're going to see here. He just talked about the growing pains of moving into a 3-4. Again, it's a new scheme. It's a new language. Everyone, coaches and players, are having to adjust and learn the, the ins and outs. He had high praise for Shaq Thompson. That was something else that was emphasized with all of the coaches that spoke was Shaq's leadership. Everyone on the defense side of the ball is looking to him. They look for his leadership, for him to call out the plays, the alignments, where players should be. And that was reassuring coming over and, and knowing that we have that solid piece, especially if you think about in the offseason when he potentially could have left or been cut or traded because of his contract. And again, for him to stick around was it was an impressive move as highlighted by the team. There wasn't much else out of his conference uh, press conference. He talked about bumper pull again, just like some of the other people have talked about really the outside linebacker position, which that's not his realm. He's only focused on inside linebackers. It's funny as you branch out into, you know, the NFL, you've got a coach for basically every position on the roster. Next coach we heard from was Todd Walsh, defensive line. Some of the things that I emphasized when I talked about the 3-4 scheme was the defensive line moving into a uh, not attacking, I should say, not moving into full attack mode. Again, being able to maintain the line of scrimmage, being great run defenders, which is what we're going to have to establish in order to free up the linebackers to make those tackles and plays. From a defensive line perspective, his philosophy is that our line is going to have to earn the right to rush the quarterback. I love pulling out stories of my personal life. Now, I know, as I've said, I am not an NFL talent, but when I remember when I was in high school, we moved from I guess a 3-4 to a 4-3. I don't even, actually, I don't know what, what scheme we moved to, but I moved to outside linebacker, which was a new position for me, and I played up on the line. Maybe we were moving into a 3-4, but I remember moving into this and having typically played strong safety or in the box at, an, at a linebacker position to being on the line. I did not fully know what I was doing, and I remember in our first game, my responsibility was supposed to be outside contain and to keep the guys, you know, from being able to run outside and and get up the field. And there was a play, the running back took the handoff. He went to the opposite side of me. I crashed down into the box. The guy takes one cut, cuts back around our whole team at that point and ran for like a 30 or 40 yard touchdown. And of course the coaches were ticked off. I was ticked off at myself. At that point though, I realized like, oh yeah, that's why I'm supposed to be staying at home and maintaining, you know, control of where I am. I don't think we'll see that level or those level of mistakes. It's something for us to think about when we see this team come out, this is not going to be the same Steve Wilkes coach defense that we saw last year. It's going to be a defense that is learning and growing and trying new techniques and schemes. So just something to keep your, your eyes out for. Now, we did hear from, as we transition, Tim Lukaba, who is our outside linebackers coach. All the questions he had was, who is, who's making that step up? And there's no person identified as, as who's, you know, is the person that's going to make the move right now to be the opposite outside linebacker of Brian Burns. It's all about learning getting knowledge of the game and understanding the techniques that we are going to need. The two guys that are on my watch list, though, if, if we were to to make a starter or announce a starter, would be Marquise Haynes and Etier. Gross Matos, those are the two guys I would look for right now to be competing for that starting position. And then, of course, one of them following up will be potentially the, the backup to Burns. We know there's going to be a few other guys coming up, but we're really not going to know who this guy is until we 
we get into training camp, until we start seeing live action, preseason games, and then figure out who's going to take the next step. Moving on, we heard from Jonathan Cooley, secondary coach. Not a lot to go through there. Just high praises again for Jamie Robinson. Nobody really talked about the cornerback room, although I think as a fan base, that's one thing we're going to keep talking about is the cornerback room and how are we going to handle what we have at cornerback right now because the talent is there. But we saw last year quite a few times where a lot of our guys were getting burnt and unable to make plays. Jamie Robinson, like I said, got high praise. Jeremy Chin, high praise from him as well. We know that we have guys on the defensive side of the ball that can make plays, but it's all going to come down to coaching because we saw what happened last year with guys getting burnt, guys not being in position, us giving up 35 points, whatever it is throughout the year, coaching matters. And that's why this staff that we put together on paper is going to have to lead the charge to push us in the direction to where hopefully a defense can win a championship. And by championship, at least I I would say is a uh, NFC South right now, not an NFL Super Bowl championship just yet. So the last coach for as we wrap up our defensive uh, talk through was Burt Watts, safeties coach. Talked again about the versatility of Jamie Robinson. I mean, this is like a broken record with Jamie, Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu. All of those guys are are the big names that we know can make plays. It's going to be the other six or seven guys on our roster on the defensive side of the ball. How are they going to step up? What can we expect from them as we move into this 3-4 scheme? We know we've got the dudes that can make plays. When we think about our defensive line and some of the other positions, there are going to be gaps. And it's all going to come down to how well we are coached, what we can do in year one of this brand new scheme, and what that's going to look like. Let's go ahead and pivot and talk about offense. We got to hear from Frank Wright and all three quarterbacks on the roster, and there were some good takeaways that came out of it. So this was right after the first day of OTAs, and Frank Wright emphasized that from our perspective, it's all about keeping guys healthy, staying off the ground. For our quarterbacks, it's decision-making, timing, route disciplines. There's more you can do on offense than you can on defense, because on defense, you're not tackling guys. It's more or less getting into coverages, making sure you're disciplined with your gaps and where you're supposed to be. Special teams, you can get into some simulations that pick it up a little bit better from there. From his take, all three quarterbacks look good, good on their decisions, their ball locations. He was able to get Matt Corral a few more looks. Let's take a a second to talk about Frank Wright as a coach, as a person. This was something that's been heavily emphasized and it was emphasized by Matt Corral in his press conference. If you recall last week or a little before last week, we cut Jacob Eason, which brought our quarterback room from four to three. And it seems like, you know, a logical move, but on paper or heading into this phase, a lot of teams are looking to keep three or four quarterbacks on the roster until they get into training camp and actually have to whittle down the roster. Now this move was unique because Frank Wright did this to help Matt Corral. He wanted Matt Corral to be able to develop, see the the field as much as he can, and get more reps. And you don't really see that from coaches. Some some coaches may say, oh, whatever. I mean, the, the situation that Matt Corral is in, if you think about it, when he was drafted last year, he's got a whole new staff around him, whole new quarterback room. Nobody is here that was here before with Sam and Baker and PJ gone. So seeing him 
being able to potentially thrive and get reps, which is good for the longevity of his career. And that's something that was brought up, which I'll speak to in a second. Reich said that he had a great attitude, good perspective, and that's what you need coming into coming into the offseason and what will be training camp. Reich did bring up the tight ends room, said he's satisfied what we have. He's happy with things that, that Trimble's going to be able to do, that Ian Thomas can do, fitting that into the scheme that they're building out on the offensive side of the ball. One thing to, to highlight, Hayden Hurst has not been in OTAs because he went through a minor hernia surgery. Nothing serious. He should be back in time for training camp without any major issues, but something to keep your eyes on there. Reich did say that Bryce Young is going to work a lot with the one offensive line, primarily under center, getting as many reps as he can, which we've seen over the past week. And as we talk about quarterbacks and as I transition to go through the quarterback list, had to bring this up because it flooded social media. At least it flooded my social media, which is predominantly Panther social media. Good old Bryce Young getting a ball batted down in practice. I don't have much to say about it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's training camp. It's not even training camp. This is OTAs and the offseason. Things are going to happen. He's adjusting. He's learning. Unless we see five or 10 balls batted down a game, I wouldn't be concerned and I'm not going to be concerned. And let's move into the first quarterback we heard from, which is Andy Dalton, our current day one starter, at least on paper, until we get the official announcement that Bryce is there. He had a good uh, good conversation just talking through. He knew what he was getting into when he made the decision to come here. He knew that there were plans to draft a quarterback. And then when they moved out to get Bryce, he knew that he was here to learn. The reporters kept trying to pry him and you know get him to say that he was here to compete and he wanted to be the day one starter. But that's not where Dalton is at in his career. He said that he knows that Bryce is here to lead the team. He wants to get him in the best position that he can and ensure that he understands football. To me, you know, that's what you want out of out of your quarterback or at least your mentor quarterback. He's been in a lot of situations. You know, Andy Dalton has bounced around. He's played as a rookie. There's a lot of insight that he can give. I think this really is because, you know, if you look at all of his other stops outside of Dallas, he's been the starter. You know, he was the starter for the, the Bears before Justin Fields. And then, you know, the change happened there. He got playing time last year because of injuries for the Saints. And that's what you want to see out of a mentor or a veteran leader. And I could see him really, if he doesn't go into broadcasting, doing the Josh McCown route of becoming a coach at some point. But it seems like Dalton's uh, got the charisma to be on TV one day. He also, they of course asked Dalton about his height for or speaking of, of Bryce Young's height. And he said he doesn't have any concerns. And he said, if anything, he's he's using it in his favor to say, hey, I'm still 5'10 and I'm going out here and doing this and balling. So very cool to see that. Now the next quarterback, good old Bryce Young, he said he had a great, and if you haven't seen the video, great experience with the NFL Players Association. He got to talk to Tom Brady, which I've, I've shared a little bit about and shared a clip of the video on there. One of the things, I mean, just to show you where he's at in, in where he's at mentally and leading this team, they had a script coming into practice and Bryce Young called out a mistake in the script that the coaches had put together. I don't think this, the mistake was done on purpose. They said they didn't add a tag to one of the plays that was supposed to be on there. They saw it and they're like, oh yeah, that should be there, made the adjustment. So that is where he is at mentally, just above and beyond everything that you know we could come to expect. I will say 
This came out from a previous head coach in the NFL, Eric Mangini, and I think as a fan base, maybe maybe I should uh, think about this too, kind of saying we should maybe pump the brakes, not on who Bryce Young is going to be and where you know he's going to be at as far as his delivery and what we're going to get on the field, but toning it down in terms of how much we're pumping him up because it is at, it could potentially add more pressure. I don't think it is. I don't think it's going to shake this guy, no matter how well he gets talked about by Reich or any other coaches. It seems like he's a guy that the pressure is just not going to get to him. We'll see when we get into the season and if he, you know, if we start out 0-1, 0-2, or there's more adversity there, maybe. I mean, he is coming from a program where he maybe be lost three or four games, four or five games in his whole career. Before that, of course, we know that he had a winning track record as well. Battling adversity, at least from a losing standpoint, is going to be something new for him because, I mean, we're not going to come out here and win 16, 17 games. So maybe we do need to tone it down. I don't know. I'm still going to pump it up. I'm still going to stay hype just because that's that's the, the read I'm taking and how I want this thing to roll. The last quarterback was Matt Corral. And I've got to say from a podcast host perspective, talking through Matt Corral and it's been up and down for me, just not, you know, seeing the, the whole picture. I'm impressed by Matt just with the way he's been leading in the offseason, just what he's gone through. He said it's been, it's been a rough year that, you know, he's just happy and blessed to be here and He's in it for the long haul. He knew that Bryce was drafted or when he was going to be drafted when we moved up, that that was going to reshuffle where he is. But he says his ties to faith and talking to Reich that this is a long-term move. And we know it's a long-term move in the NFL. You can have a great career as a backup. Now, I know he's a competitor and wants to compete and win and play games. At the same time, we never know if or when one of our guys goes down, whether Bryce gets hurt or Dalton, and he needs to come in and step up. I do think we're going to see a lot of ball from him in the preseason. I think Matt Corral is going to be the guy that gets a lot of reps, Matt and Bryce, Bryce to the extent that you know we're able to put him out there in action. And who knows at that point, he did say he does not want to be traded. He has not mentioned being traded. He wants to play for the Carolina Panthers. He likes this new staff. The perspective that they brought. And he's just glad that he's able to go out and play football again, overcoming the injury that he's been through and wants to be able to showcase his talent. As a Panthers fan and as a Panthers fan base, you have to back that. If he wants to be here and he's okay with the role that he's in and there's you know anim- no animosity there, that's what we want. And I mean, you could not have had a harder situation, like I said, coming in, brand new coaching staff, brand new quarterbacks room, coaches all around him, new playbook, all of this coming off of an injury and you're trying to compete. So I give I give give kudos to him for everything that he's battling through. Now the other thing, if you remember way back when on draft night he tweeted out a message, people took it as him not wanting to be here. He did address that immediately in the press conference and said it had nothing to do with football. It had to do with his personal relationship. So there you go. Not everything you see online from these players is related to football. They do have personal lives outside of that. Other thing when we think about Again, Frank Wright, I mean, him cutting a, a player so that Matt could get more reps, that says a lot about him as a, as a person, as, as speaking of Frank Wright, and how he values Matt. And Matt took that to heart. He knows that that's not common in the NFL for a coach to do something like this. And that's what you love to see, guys of integrity that are leading the organization. And that's what we have here in the Carolinas. With that said, we have news coming out of the Las Vegas Raiders that Jimmy Garoppolo may not even be on the roster. Found out that Jimmy Garoppolo had a failed physical. Maybe that's part of the reason he never landed here in Charlotte or that we weren't interested. What if, put out a what if scenario, what if Matt Corral goes out and 
balls out in the preseason. Jimmy Garoppolo is either hurt or at this point, he isn't even on the roster and the Raiders need a quarterback. Why not go out, take Matt Corral from us? I know there's going to be other options, but you have Matt Corral there and then we get compensation from him in between. So speaking of compensation, what about the compensation for DeAndre Hopkins? Hopkins was cut. He has ties to South Carolina. Again, we know he went to Clemson University, played ball there, South Carolina native. I had been teasing uh, about us trading for him over the past three months, and now he's a free agent. And I'd say the Panthers are a dark horse. We know our wide receiver room is crowded, but we also know that Fritter is here to make moves. Tepper wants to spend money. They want that firepower on the offensive side of the ball and be another weapon for Young to throw to. Who knows where he's going to land, but I, I'm, I'd i say keep your eyes open. I feel like the Panthers may be a long shot. He's likely going to go to or want to go to a true contender, Bills, Chiefs, Jets, Baltimore, whoever it is, maybe the Dolphins even, but something to watch for. The only other news as we close out this week's episode, and I meant to bring this up at the very beginning, but forgot as I went through my notes and was giving you the, the updates. Are we going to get a draft or are we going to be able to host the draft here in Charlotte, North Carolina? Something that is on the table. Now, the earliest we would be able to do this is 2026. So next year, and I had it pulled up and this is what I get for closing it. Uh, We know next year's taken and the next year it's going to be in Green Bay, but that does leave open the 2026 draft. And there are discussions or there were discussions about Charlotte being able to host a future draft, not the 2026 specifically. That'd be fun. Be cool experience for the fans, for Charlotte, getting that exposure all in downtown. We'll see. Well, folks, that's all I've got for this week's episode. And as we truly close, it out. Just want to say thank you to everyone. The podcast itself is steadily increasing with the number of plays, with the number of posts, and uh, where we're at in the charts for Carolina Panthers specific podcast. Just want to say thank you. You can follow me again on social media, two states, one team, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Those are the three primary channels. If you have questions or want to reach out, got feedback, whatever it is, let me know. Other than that, y'all have a good one. See ya.